0: We just got back from celebrating David's two year sobriety. Oh my god, we have got to
1: have him on the pod! Hello, guys, and welcome back to Figuring It Out with Grace and Kaylee. I am Kaylee, and Grace is not here right now because. I had to jump on before the episode and just introduce this sweet, amazing, beautiful soul, David Mora. I have watched David go from the transformation of his life. He has been sober for two years, and this episode is so touching to me and so beautiful. He is so vulnerable and raw with y'all. There is nothing that he is not sharing He is an open book and he went from being a hairdresser to going into rehab himself to becoming a sponsor and working for a recovery facility to, you know, work with his passion and he loves what he does. And I just felt like I needed to give this introduction a more serious intro because I've seen his struggle. I've heard his struggle and I've felt his struggle. And if any of you have a problem with addiction or have loved ones with addiction, this is a very, you know, hard and real and raw thing to deal with. And if any of you need help, David is the one to go to. He is an open book. He is the most genuine, beautiful person I know. And I am so excited for y'all to listen to episode 24. Welcome to Figuring It Out with Grace and Kaylee. We are Figuring Out Addiction with David Mora.
0: Dave, we really appreciate having you here and for sharing part of your story with us.
2: Yeah, of course. I'm happy to be here.
0: We want to give our audience just a little intro of how uh, we know you and about our relationship. And then we want to dive deep into you if you're so comfortable with it. Um, So I actually met Dave from Kaylee. Kaylee and David have been friends. Um, I mean, I guess you guys can describe your friendship as best friendship or like whatever you want to call it. So Kaylee and I have obviously been best friends for a majority of our lives. And then Kaylee brought in David and like, they were best friends and you know, it's incredibly uncomfortable when your best friend gets a new best friend and that's really <laughs> what i here. So David kind of became like a frenemy and we didn't not like each other, but we weren't like the best of buds. Would you say that's true?
2: Yeah. I would say it was like low key. Like, <laughs> Kaylee, Kaylee would be like, oh, Grace is blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Can't wait to meet her. And take her down. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And it wasn't until our
0: dear friend Kaylee got married and then David and I were able to have a common enemy. And I won't share the details of that story for uh, the internet that we really, really started to click. I feel like.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So... I would say, Kaylee, did you want to touch on your friendship? As I yeah, so before.
1: I first remember meeting Dave. Um, we both worked for the same car dealership, and we had orientation on the same day. And I still remember like walking into the room, and your face was just lit up, and you're smiling, and you shook my hand. And I, in my head, I was like, "This
2: is my new bestie,"
1: and I was Do so you, happy. I
2: was literally thinking about this the other day. Remember when we were at that club? um meeting oh that guy <laughs> and and i check my bank account they had like four dollar shots i check my bank account i have like 650 and you have like seven dollars and you're like yeah i have i have money for another shot and we like didn't get paid for like another week we like literally and then we got another shot
1: and we did it and that was our
0: luck for a little bit <laughs> Let me preface that by that was your young 20s of which that took place. Um, But I think you hit the nail on the head, Kaylee. I think, David, your light and your charisma is incredibly attractive and appealing to people. And that's remained consistent. So I'm just curious if you could share maybe like a little brief background of, of your history or how you became you
2: yeah for sure um and right back at you guys um good energy attracts good energy you know um but so i i grew up um in phoenix arizona so i'm not even from texas um i came out here when i was 24 to try to get sober and i had lived in texas like on and off it was like my safe haven to like try to like okay i'm burning everything down in arizona let me go to texas to try to make it better Um, and so I came out here for the final time when I was 24. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Phoenix. I grew up, um, with six siblings and a single mom. My dad went to prison when I was like seven or eight. Um, and so my mom raised us by herself, um, strong woman. And, uh, and yeah, so like childhood was, was cool. You know, it was very like struggle oriented just because it's like, when you're one of seven, um, you know, you kind of have to like start working and figuring everything out. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, you kind of have to start figuring stuff out on your own. So it, it made me like very independent at like, a young, at like a young age and also kind of in like a, like a negative sense kind of taught me to only rely on myself, you know, and like not really ask for help or you know be open to like sharing your struggles it was just like n- white knuckle it like you know strong through it until you figure it out for yourself um so yeah but childhood was it was weird um there was like really great times you know and like growing up with that many siblings is a lot of fun um but there was also a lot of you know struggle and stuff like that as well so
0: Sure. I'm I'm curious as to why you chose Texas of all places as like a safe haven for you to go to when you felt like you were burning it down to the ground.
2: Yeah, I had uh sisters out here. Okay. So so I had like an easy I would just call them and be like, Hey, like I'm high, I need help. And they're like, All right, come out here. Um and then they would and then I would live with one of them um until I decided to get my own place and burn that down. So
1: so when? So you said you were twenty four uh-huh twenty four whenever you felt like you needed to get sober? Is that when you got sober for the first time?
2: No, I didn't get sober for the first time. I don't know the exact age. I think I was like twenty eight or twenty nine and I had gotten sober for like seven months. Um, I started smoking weed after seven months and then started drinking after a year because I, I just like was really. Uninformed about like addiction or recovery or anything like that. Like I was like, oh, I stopped drinking for a year. Like I'm obviously not an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna try moderating my drinking, you know? And so knowing what I know now, even after a year, I'm like, hell no, it's going to end terribly, you know? But back then, like I didn't really know anything about addiction or, and like, I didn't identify as an addict. I didn't know that I had a problem with these things um again it was kind of like that mindset that it's like i got myself sober this first time i killed it and i've got the shit if i need to get myself sober again i can do it this last time i was like not able to do it um so
1: what is it that you know now that you would have told your past self
2: what i know now is that like is my pattern the the reason why i moved to texas when i was 24 back up just a, a smidge um is I was like doing like ecstasy and molly and acid and all those like fun party drugs I was doing them way more abnormally than my friends were doing them they would take like one and I would take like seven
0: why was it because you were just like craving more of a a numb and experience like have you thought about the why you you were doing it and then did you realize like in the moment that you were going overboard and compared to your friends
2: um so the why behind it is, is something that I do know now is that it's like, once I put something in my body, I just want more and more and more. Um, the same with alcohol. I would always say like, I'll go out drinking with my friends and then I would go home and finish getting drunk, you know, and I would just like drink until I blacked out. Um, and so the reason why is just because I like wanted more and more and more, like it was just never enough. Even if I was like, having a seizure on the floor of a rave, I was still like, I need more, you know? So there's just like no limit. And it's not even that like I was trying to get more high. It was just like, the feeling is so great. Like I don't want it to go away. Um, And then I just, I cannot stop, you know? Um, And that's actually one of the identifiers for me as an addict. Um, so but- I think
0: of that time of my life like early 20s and that was like that was normal in my opinion my environment was to be around a lot of people that were getting blackout wasted myself included and uh, you know recreational drugs and maybe to not to the extent that you were using them but it didn't feel normal I mean not normal so in that time was your headspace like did you have the recognition or the wherewithal to be like this isn't normal or did you feel like you were just like keeping up with everyone else?
2: I, I don't think that, so I was like clueless for a very long time. And so it's hard to like, I wasn't aware of like my addiction. Um My friends would all tell me though, like, yo, you're taking way too many, you know? And like, I would be going into like psychosis at a rave and like thinking I was trapped in there and like all of this like really, really weird stuff. Um, And it was like my friends, for instance, they would take like a Molly and then they'd be like, oh, let's take another Molly. But I'm already on like my fifth one, you know? I I bought like 20 Mollies to like sell at this music festival and just take a few for myself. I ended up taking all 20 in like a two day span, you know? So it was like, that's what I'm saying. Like it wasn't on the level of my other friends and like going to music festivals and raves it was kind of like a space where I was like, oh, I can get fucked up here. Kind of like that mindset, like everyone's getting all messed up. Like I can do that too. But like I said, like, once I put it on my body, I'm like, I never want this to go away. Like I would be permanently like this if I could. And so it was just like, you know, take more and more and more and more until I overdid it. And I was like in panic and I had anxiety and like, I was tripping out, you know, like it was just, it, it would get weird when
0: when you woke up up the next morning how would you feel or like what would go through your head if you could recall first
2: of all I wouldn't sleep that night um so but like once like the smoke like blowed over I mean I would I would just think about when I was going to do it again you know like and like I said people are rolling and stuff like that and at a music festival, you know, you have like the people that are like rolling and having fun. And then the people that are like rolling and like grinding their teeth and all of that stuff like that was me. So it's like, um, yeah, like I would, I would just think like, when am I going to get to go to that safe space again and use as much as I want, you know? Um, but friends started leaving me too. Like friends started being like, yo, it's so annoying to go out with you. You know, like, um, one time we were at this music festival and this was back in the day, like, you did not have service like at all. I know like some of the music festivals now they set up like phone towers and things like that. But like at this one you had no service. So my friends were like, hey, let's make a plan to meet back at the car at like 3 a.m or something like that. And I ended up getting that was one of the nights where I took like the 20 pills. And um and I ended up not getting back to the car till five in the morning. My friends were like pissed. They were like, we're so tired. This is like the last day, like we want to go back to our hotel. And they were like really mad at me. So like people were starting to be like, you yeah, know, this is not cool. Like, yeah. you know, um, and so that's when I would be like, damn, I've got to leave these friends, you know? Um, and I'm serious. It was like, it was sick. It was really, really sick. Um, I'm, I'm friends with them again now. But yeah, that was like my, that was my MO. It's like, cool, burned it down. Yeah. Let's find a new niche, you know?
1: Yeah. How do you define addiction?
2: A few ways that I uh, define addiction is like, once you put it in your body, you can't stop. Um, There's like no limit to how much you can do. Um, The second part is like, it's, they call it the obsession of the mind. This is all like cycle of addiction. Um, And so the second part is that it's like, my mind, even though I know how terrible it is for me, still tells me that it's a good idea you know, like in, and like that'll fester in my mind. And even when I first got sober, you know, I was like, I want to do drugs. Like I want to, you know, like it never really goes away. And it's just this like thing in my mind that tells me time and time again, that like, it's going to be different. I can use like a normal person, um, even though I've proven that I can't, um, also part of the obsession of the mind is just like, once I try to stop, like, I can't stay stopped, you know? So like a normal person can say like, oh, I'm not going to drink for a week, you know? Or a person can say like, I'm going to go out and have two drinks and then go back home. Like I can't stay stopped uh, when I want to. Um, and then the third part is just like, this is kind of getting into like AA territory, but it's just like, they, they call it the spiritual malady. And it's just like, you know, you've had this these symptoms since you were younger, like just like this trauma and like, this like feeling of hopelessness and despair and like just a disconnection spiritually. Um, And, you know, that disconnection is why you seek out other modes to feel connected or feel better. Um, And then it just starts that whole cycle over again.
1: Okay. Man. Okay. And then I also wanted you, if you could share, like, you don't have to go into the details, but The moment when you went to rehab this last time and you've completely changed your life and I've seen it and not to make this about me, but, um, I had no idea, like just for our listeners to know, David's my best friend and he's been my best friend since we met. And I had no idea. And I just, I woke up to a text that he was in treatment and like, I had to, feel, you know, like work through my feelings of like, just having the guilt of like, God, you're one of your best friends is going through something and you had no idea. So like, that was just, just, you know, from an outside perspective of like, even, you know, some of the closest people to you don't know the struggle you're going through. Um, But just like in that moment, what was the life change? Like, what was the moment of like, fuck this, I'm getting
2: clean um so the, to also touch on like that like i take full responsibility of that because i was such like a liar like living a double life you know and so it's like the way that i managed the pieces were like so strategic you know like i would call out of work i would say i was taking adderall i you know would like like i said i would go out drinking with everyone and everything would seem fine and then i would go home get blackout drunk and then the next morning just like punch through it and like, and just pretend everything was okay, you know? So it's like, that's, I always tell people like, that's not on them that they didn't know. Like I was just really good at hiding it. And that's like completely on me. Um, And something that I had to own up to too, you know, that it's just like, I was so fake, you know? And, and I was just like, not truthful. Um, But again, it was like that kind of like, don't let anybody see you weak, you know? Like don't let anybody, yeah I I also,
1: see, yeah I also don't even really see it as fake. I see it as you were hiding your demons like we all do, you know, we all have or, and we're all learning to not do that, but I don't think i like I don't think you were dis i don't see it as you were dishonest with me. I see it as you were struggling, and yeah, it's you know it's it, it's sad to think back at that, but like
0: well, it's human know. nature to hide what you're shameful of. Exactly. That's so I never, what they talk I never, about. I never see it
1: like you were. Yeah, I never see it like you were dishonest. I just, I just know you were going through a lot.
2: Yeah, yeah. I love using the word fake. By the way, I just. <laughs> A oh, like so well,
0: it's it's appropriate yeah. now just considering how authentic you show up to everything you do and every relationship you have so it yeah. i guess it's like a fun way to view your transformation as like i went from ken doll and now i'm david you're still hot yeah. ken, but <laughs> you're yeah. you
1: Absolutely. so okay give me the moment of you know the pivotal life change moment if you can recall back to that
2: yeah so that's where it was kind of like a spiritual experience for me. And like, I'm a very spiritual person and, and um, I love that side of me, but like, I really didn't have like any control over that. So I was actually like in a meth psychosis, just like in my apartment hadn't slept in like three days, Um, had like four random TV mounts that I was never hanging. Like it was just like chaos in my apartment and I was terrified. And I just like, had this feeling that it was like, if I don't call somebody right now, it was almost like a God feeling, you know, where it was like, I have to call someone. And I was like warring within myself where I was just like, don't do it, do it, don't do it, do it. And finally I was just like, I have to call somebody or I'm going to die, you know? And I ended up calling Stephanie and she was like, I'll be there in 10 minutes, you know? And then Bethany came shortly after and Stephanie was like, You know, and and I was so terrified that I was like, you can't come over here. Like, you know, it's dangerous. And like, there's people outside. And she was just like, what are you talking about? Those are his sister, your sisters that live next to you. Okay. Yeah. And so they, they came over and they were just like, Hey, like, um, you know, like, let's go take a walk outside. And we walked outside. I smoked cigarettes at that time. So we like, I smoked a cigarette and I was just like, so darty and just like, you know, out of it and stephanie was like hey i think you should really consider rehab and at that point i was just like whatever you say you know and she was like the financial part of it like we've got you which is like i'm so fortunate because a lot of people don't have that support you know but she was just like don't worry about a thing but again like i'm so high that i'm like not processing everything and so um she ends up like calling my ex-brother-in-law my nephew's dad He gets us in touch with somebody from Recovery Unplugged. He gets Stephanie in touch with somebody from Recovery Unplugged. I was in bed sleeping uh, while she was cleaning my apartment and trying to figure this all out. Um, Gets me in touch with someone from Recovery Unplugged. They get the financial stuff worked out. And then she's like, you're going to treatment. I woke up the next day at 30 years old and I was like, what the hell did I just do? You know, like I didn't have any intention on getting sober. I was like, you just like literally showed everyone your ugly side, you're an idiot, you know? Um, And so it's like, it wasn't really like a choice that I had made. It was just kind of like a, like saying yes along the path. Um, And I ended up like in the most perfect treatment center that was perfect for me and my family completely supported me. Um, But I didn't decide to get completely sober till about two weeks then to treatment. Um, I still thought that I was going to be able to drink because drinking was more manageable, but I was just like, I can't do meth anymore. That's where I like spin out. You Were know? you
1: planning on like hiding that from them, or did you think like, no, I? I drink. think I thought
2: they would be cool with it. You know, like like society accepts alcohol, yeah. but like yeah. when, when you when you tell them you're doing meth or heroin, they're like, you should probably stop. You know, but <laughs> with alcohol, like, with alcohol, like nobody really tells you to stop. You know, and so that was kind of like, like I said, it it took me about two weeks to identify my pattern and be like, oh, it starts with alcohol. And I have a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol as well. Um, But I, I never thought I had a problem because I had gotten myself sober, you know, and then I would be able to get like two days sober. And I was like, oh, like, alcoholics can't do that. I was like, I don't drink in the morning. Um, I took a quiz, like, are you an alcoholic quiz? um, And I lied on it. You know, to make it, I'm telling you, it's insanity. I was gonna say, like, uh, if
1: you're taking a quiz of am I an alcoholic, it's probably, you probably, you know, the bet is yes.
2: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Just
1: like have it there, and then you start taking it, and it just
2: says yes. It it was like, you're just a heavy drinker. Keep going, girl.
0: So that was kind of oh, falling into God. my question. Do you think that people have a general misunderstanding of what addiction is? As in, do you believe that you meet a lot of people that are struggling with their relationships with substances, specifically alcohol, as you mentioned, because it's like wildly accepted in society, but like believe that their behavior is normal?
2: I think, I mean, I... That's a that's a tough question. So it's like, yeah, it is accepted in society. Um, and so it does make it harder, like for alcoholics, I actually, like I said, there's more people saying stop doing meth than stop doing alcohol. And so for alcoholics, I do feel like it's kind of harder because it is so accepted. And it it's like everywhere. Um, but I, I definitely think there are people out there like me, for instance, that just like don't know that they have a problem because either like you know they don't drink in the morning or they don't drink at work or you know things like that um and that's where i kind of when i work with somebody when i like sponsor somebody or try to like help them to see their addiction i always tell them like hey it's when you put it in your body can you not stop do you have the obsession of the mind have you tried to stop before and you can't you know and things like that and i help them try to identify it but there's definitely people out there who don't know that they have a problem um
0: so two weeks yeah. into your recovery experience, what do you think made this recovery center perfect for you and different for you? And what was that trigger two weeks in that you decided like, Oh shit. No, I can't, I can't drink. It's not, it's going to be a no for me.
2: <laughs> yeah. So what made recovery unplugged perfect is like when I was sitting there, like the people that were so loving and like just being in a community and for the first time, like vocalizing what I was going through. And a lot of, the times, like, there's these things called shadow people, um, and it's when you're, like, three days sleep deprived, just, like, getting high in your apartment, and you start seeing, like, shadows at your peripherals, and you, like, think they're people, and that's why, like, when I would say, when I would think about it, I would, like, I thought I was, like, insane, you know, but going there, and they're, like, oh, yeah, that's, everyone experiences that, you should, you know, that's, that's just a symptom, so, like, getting to, like, talk about the struggles, and, like, the experience, And like getting it off my chest was really, really helpful. And I also like made a pledge that I was like, I am not going to be dishonest anymore. And so two weeks in, there was a guy, um, he's actually like one of my friends now. He was like my boss for a little bit. He moved positions. Um, But he came in and he gave this talk where he was just like, you don't know how like sick you are. You're you can't even see your your problem, you know, like you want to get out of here. You want to, you know, dictate your treatment. You want to do all this stuff. You have this like grand plan where you think, you know, better than everyone else here, you know? And it, it's true. I was like, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to do ayahuasca. I'm going to drink still. Like you guys don't know what you're talking about. I'm not doing all this AA stuff. Like I'm not doing any of it. And so just that attitude, he was just like, you need to like really see your patterns and you need to see like, that, you know and then and people helping me understand that addiction is like you know it it's it is what it is and it's not what i thought it was you know um and so yeah he gave this like really stern speech and i ended up like getting like really emotional and just like it just impacted me and i was like all right like i have to do this damn thing or i'm gonna be back here and I, and i had heard so many people too saying like oh this is my ninth treatment stay this' is like my 12th treatment stay and i was like hell no I've got a life to live you know and uh and I also think like having those you know seven months of sobriety really helped to kind of remember too it's like yeah it was really hard because I was still dealing with a lot of the mental health stuff but it was like also I was living life you know and I didn't have to wake up wanting to die every morning and so um so yeah so with that speech and then just kind of like slowly gradually just coming to terms with this like hey i'm i'm screwed if i don't get this um and then once i made that decision i was just like all right what do i gotta do and that's when i turned to all the employees and i was like i'll do everything you guys tell me to do um and i and i did
1: what was what made you want to help other people struggling with their addictions
2: uh it just it, it honestly like gave my my life purpose. It was just like, it made sense of everything. And it made me like super grateful. And it's like, I wouldn't change a single thing from my past. Um, And it made me, it like made sense of everything. And I was like, yeah, if I had to deal with all that scary, you know, meth stuff, like it was worth it because it's like, now I can like sit with somebody else and be like, hey dude, like I know what you're going through. But without that experience, I wouldn't know what they were going through. And I wouldn't find my niche and being able to help people. But it's like all my life, I wanted to help people. I just didn't know what it was that I needed to do. And it was finally when I like, that's what I'm saying. It's like a spiritual experience. Like everything was just perfectly. And, I, and like my life is just like, oh, it it makes so much sense, you know, and I'm grateful to be where I am and, um and to be, but it, it's just like all along, I wanted to help people. So it's like, this was just my, my laid out plan of doing it.
1: Do you see yourself like staying in this line of work?
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, and, and I'm, I'm a licensed cosmetologist as you guys know. And, um, I love doing hair. Like it's, it's a lot of fun, but like nothing like it didn't light my soul on fire, like helping someone else, you know, like driving to somebody that was like, getting high a couple hours away and like bringing them into treatment and like seeing them change their life like nothing lit me up like that and that's when I was like I need to work in treatment because I want that feeling for the rest of my life you know being able to to help people
1: that is fucking amazing like I love hearing your story is like truly inspiring Dave wow Thank you. I'm gonna cry. It's
0: fine. <laughs> what is, David, what's your routine like? Like, what are some practices that you've built into your day to day that allow you to remain focused and clear and help other people?
2: Yeah, so <clears throat> I I start every morning um, with like you know prayer meditation. Um, I don't do a to do list. I'm completely honest. You know, when I first got sober my schedule was way more solid, um, because I really wanted to solidify everything. So I mean, it it wavers like in and out, you know, sometimes I'll just do a prayer. And I'll get out of out of the house, you know, sometimes I'll have time for a meditation. Um, I try to do a to do list if I've got too much on my plate. And I'll say like, okay, like, I need to sit down and just like write out everything I have to do for the day. Um, and then yeah, it, it, at night, I do like a nightly I kind of recap um, where I was not cool during the day, if you will. Um, and, you know, make amends where I need to make amends, you know, pray about the stuff that, um, I'm struggling with and things like that. Um, and, but when I first got sober, I mean, Grace, you know, firsthand we swam every day, you know, and I was like, (laughs) that was a huge part of my recovery. was like getting out and, you know, getting active and, um, and swimming. And I I go to meeting. I I would go to a meeting like four or five times um, a week. Now it's like one to two. Um, But those are just some things that I'm, I, I just make sure that I stay in the thick of recovery. Because once I start like venturing off with the people doing the stuff I used to do, I'm like, oh, their life seems cool, you know? And it's like, and that's where it's like, I have to kind of be careful that I'm not like, like, gravitating towards that energy too much because it's like it'll it'll shift my mindset um quickly which I've I've learned as well
1: what's something that you like your go-to when you feel like you might want to like pick up a drink
2: I I say it out loud I, I like talk about it when I first got out of treatment I was like I I like every time that I was like in a meeting they'd be talking about heroin and like how much they loved it and how amazing it was and all this stuff And so I would call my sponsor and I'd be like, I want to do heroin. He's like, you've never done heroin. I'm like, I know, it sounds cool. Give it (laughs) a fucking go. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so I would just like tell on myself and he'd be like, dude, that's crazy. Like, don't do that, you know? And I'd be like, all right, cool. So like talking about it just kind of takes the power away from it. Um, I also have like a lot of other coping skills, like, you know, going to a meeting and uh, I started playing guitar. So I'll like pick up the guitar and that kind of helps Um, sometimes as well, but I don't really, when I first got sober, I had a lot of like, you know, like cravings and like, like, you know, wanting to use, but now it's like, it's even, even if it's just a thought, it's just like, Oh, like that seems like it would be fun, you know, but that's just like, not my reality. It's not my truth. And it's not how it ends for me, you know? And so, um, it's not really too strong anymore, but when I first got sober, I would just like hit a meeting or talk to the people in my sober living and whatnot.
1: How long has it been? How long have you been sober?
2: I just hit two years on Sunday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. You are Thank so you. deserving. I want to know what your best piece of advice would be to someone who is scared or nervous, but feels their truth speaking that they need additional help or that they have unhealthy relationships with substances. What could you say to them?
2: Uh, I would, I mean, I would tell them like, first off, not to give up. I mean, I, I tried to get sober from 24 till 30. Um, really I should have been trying to get sober at like 18, you know, but, um, really trying for like six years. And so it's like, it takes what it takes. Um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. It's, it's crazy. Once I was just honest about it, um, how many people were there like willing to help? And how much more accepted it was, you know? And uh, if anybody looks down on you because of it or thinks you're crazy, like there's a whole community of people who don't. Um, And then outside of that community, there's people, a whole community of people that support it, you know? And so it's like, you're not alone, even though it seems like, you know, in society, you're not allowed to be an addict. There are definitely people like that, but there are so many more people that aren't, you know?
0: Can you talk about some of your favorite things to do um, just like with friends or around town being sober? Because I feel like a lot of feedback, I know with people that struggle to even like cut back or like you hear about sober curiosity or whatever. It's like, you know, people go meet at bars and they, you know, that's kind of how you integrate into society. So I'm curious of like what you do for fun. I mean, I know. But, like,
2: <laughs> will you share with
0: our audience, please? <laughs>
2: yeah so um I mean I would I jam pack my days um as you guys know and so it's like I've got stuff constantly going on um I really enjoy like you know spending time with friends I love going out to eat I love playing guitar I take guitar lessons I just started singing lessons um I go to like sober skate nights I you know go to Zilker I go to Barton Springs like I'm just constantly out doing stuff um and i meet a lot of people that way as well and like one great way to meet people is i always tell like clients go on meetup.com and like find somebody doing the same thing that you're doing like there's like hiking you know people where they're like we're going hiking who wants to go there's like constant meditation sound bowls like ecstatic dance grace Um, can
0: we talk about it (laughs) Real quick, David took me to an ecstatic dance and if you're not familiar, just fucking Google it. I don't know what to tell you. Other than the fact that we drink some cacao and everyone just uh, vibes with the DJ or the music and they dance. And the first experience I had was so much fun and it was like a room of eight people and you close your eyes and you just kind of like vibe. The second experience I had was like a room full of 50 plus, and I wanted to crawl into a hole and like disappear, but it's a very unique experience for sure.
2: I don't That know- first one though, Grace, when we first went, we were like, at first, everyone's just like,
0: oh my God. You know?
2: <laughs> and then you were like, and- <laughs> yeah they were like doing flips on each other's backs and stuff and we're like oh my god what did we do what what are we doing here um but by the end of it it was kind of another surrender moment you know you just surrender to the experience
0: I think so too and for context to everyone like I had obviously met David through Kaylee prior to um us both being in Austin that it was kind of surreal for me to move to Austin the same time that you got out of recovery here in Austin and being able to be in a new place I say this from selfish experience because in the past a lot of ways that I've had to meet people is through drinking or like meeting up at bars and doing the whole thing and I had moved to Austin with the intention as Kaylee knows to like change my life a bit too and it really was just this unique and divine timing of of having you in the same place and we would go swimming almost every day. We would be hiking, you know, it was a lot of time in nature, which is incredibly healing and it is good for the mind, the body, and the spirit. And to have someone who was also so in tune with spirituality and to talk about meditation. And we went to uh Qigong uh together um one morning. Seven in the morning. We would meet up and do <laughs> morning um like ice baths essentially by jumping into yoga, y'all did oh, yoga, just a lot of really healing practices that even as someone without, you know, an addiction, it it was honestly just like, it was, it and continues to be like a transformation of life for me. And I think that it sounds like, even if you're someone listening and you're, you know, you, you don't have an addiction issue, but just even listening to how you've created this Path of healing for yourself and being able to pour that into other people is something that we all need. I mean, Kaylee and I talked about the uh, science behind happiness and the Dolly fucking llama. You guys says here you- it is again. <laughs> <laughs> you really, your purpose in this life is to be a part of a community and really help other people. And I think you're a walking, living, fucking example of that. And I'll stop my tangent now because that I got it off my chest. Um, Speaking of health, though, and like doing good things for yourself, why did you decide to become a vegan? Because I, this
1: bitch is, is a vegan now. Me and David used to go ham on some chicken wings.
2: <laughs> yeah, I've been vegan for like over three years now. Um, and the reason why I did it, so it's kind of a, a long story that I'll, I'll shorten up but like i was just super into like meditating and i was like really like on this like journey that's the same time frame when i did ayahuasca and i was just like really trying to like uh, you know trying to like figure out my spirituality and just like i think i turned a blind eye to like eating animals for so long even though like deep down inside i did not feel like it was right you know um and i just like look at every living being as like beautiful it wasn't sitting well with me and i had watched this ted talk when i was actually drunk one time and this guy was talking about like the genetic makeup of our bodies and how our intestines are actually designed like an herbivores and um you know our teeth are designed for an herbivores the way that our jaw moves when we chew is like an herbivore so it's like we're actually supposed to be herbivores you know and and um I don't know how true any of that stuff is, but it definitely like made an impact on me. Um, and so I was like meditating one time and I I also had this friend that was vegan in cosmetology school. Um, and she was just like, yeah, it's not hard at all. And I was already like kind of curious about it and like willing to kind of make that move. Um, and so I was just like meditating. And one day I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to change my diet. Like, I'm just going to change the way that I eat. Um, And I ended up going vegetarian first and I was vegetarian for three weeks. Um, And then I was just like, I like to make things hard on myself. So I was like, this isn't, this isn't enough of a sacrifice, you know, like this is, I'm still eating cheese and cheesecake. And I didn't really know a lot of the information around veganism and like animal cruelty and stuff like that, besides like the basic stuff that like most of us know. Um, And so I, I, I didn't watch any documentaries purposely until I was a month into it because I felt like all my friends were like watching a documentary and going vegan for like two weeks yeah. and then falling off, you know? And so I didn't want anything to persuade me. Um, And so I, I stayed vegan for a month and I was like, now let's dive into like the research of it. And mm-hmm. then once I like did the research of like how environmentally it's better um, for our bodies, it's better. And just like, for the animals like the animal cruelty is is so sad um so initially that was the reason but once I realized that it's like oh all around it's just it's better to be vegan I was like cool I'll I'll rock with this for the rest of my life and um I've been vegan ever since I do miss chicken wings though Kaylee so (laughs) freaking much I don't I tell people this all the time I'm like I used to eat chicken wings like two times a week like every I would be at like a fancy steakhouse and I'd be like chicken wings I'm getting the chicken wings I was obsessed with chicken wings um and I think I when I worked at a pizzeria when I was like 14 that was my first job and I would just eat chicken wings all day um and so every kind of flavor you name it and so I think that's where I I you know started my love for chicken wings and I still try to find like mock chicken wings that kind of do the trick um and and I get the question a lot too it's like well if you like if you like it so much like why don't you just like eat like if, if vegans like the taste of meat so much why don't they just eat meat and I'm like because it kills an animal I I, I loved meat I loved yeah. the taste of it I loved everything about it but it's just like I, it just didn't line up with the way that I felt inside towards like other living beings yeah plug
0: to my favorite vegan. Um food blogger at No Meat Disco. He makes some bomb ass uh, vegan recipes that are easy to follow and share. So.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, we love yummy food.
2: We love yummy food.
0: If you could leave our audience with your favorite book, intention, meditation or advice in your own words, what would that be?
2: i really like I don't read a ton. I'm more of like a podcast listener in my free time. Um also books are like shows to me I will finish a book in a night and stay up till like five in the morning mm. um and so but the the most impactful book call me childish but it was the Harry Potter book I don't think I've ever been so emotionally invested I cried for like the entire seventh book I was just like this is too Shit, much for me
1: it's so big though I
2: I know I know and I finished it in like three days I had to put it down multiple times because that my sister was like you're you're crying hysterically and i'm like dumbledore though like you know
0: did you know that they actually sold some rights to hbo and they're going to be making a tv show based off of the books that are supposed to include intensely more detail than the movies because they'll be able to fragment it into shows so for someone like kaylee who's like oh my god that book is too big well bitch, you're getting a TV show. Fuck. So- yeah. a
2: whole show. I know. My friend told me about that the other day. I haven't heard Hell such thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm really
2: Um angry. my favorite meditation though, one of so I have two people that I uh, that are my go-to's. So Sarah Blondin, um she's on Inside Timer and her meditations just make you feel so good like she her voice is like she goes on there and she says hello dear ones, you know, and it's just like oh. so <laughs> it's you like all right, I it's a wrap. It. I feel peace. Yeah. I feel at ease. Um, so she's more like motivational feel-good kind of meditation. If I'm trying to dive into like some silent, you know, introspective meditations, I really like David G. Um, okay. and it's David J I. Um and he's he's from California. He's so cool. I follow him, I follow him on Instagram. Um and his meditations are really great. Um I did like the 30-day Deepak Chopra and oprah challenge they have like an app and that was a really good meditation um so those are some of my go-to. but i also really just enjoy like a silent meditation Mm -hmm. um because a lot of times too i get so wrapped up in finding the perfect meditation that i'm just like what am i after i don't even know like let's just sit here you know and so silent meditation is kind of where i get to like truly connect within that's why i like david g too because he'll like walk you through the meditations and then it'll just go silent and he'll give you time to like silent meditate, you know? So he kind of guides you into that as well. Uh, But yeah, those are my go-tos.
0: Oh, thank you for sharing.
2: Of course. So,
0: If
1: there is someone out there who think they could have an addiction or want to like dig deep into figuring out, you know, sober life, is there like a website or would you recommend them like DM you or
2: yeah they can totally dm me and also i always tell people like go to a meeting like go to an aa meeting and i know like in the movies it seems so like dumb but it's you know like when you the first time that i went to a meeting um not the first time the first time when i was trying to get sober because i went to meetings before i was just like i want no part of this i'm gonna go get drunk um but then like when i was getting sober and like hearing people tell my exact story of what I was going through. It just like helped me to see like, okay, there's they're they're just like me, you know. And so um I would say go to a meeting. Um, I would say start talking to like therapists about it as well. Um, and trying to like let them guide you because they're all connected with, you know, things that can help and they're very aware of, you know, addiction issues and things like that. And so um yeah therapy if you can't afford therapy aa is free um and yeah dm me or you know just uh just talk to some people that you know that are sober
1: how do you find an aa meeting you just like google aa meeting near me
2: yeah yeah for sure okay there's like uh there's a website it's like i don't know the website but i think it's like aa.org or something like that there's also an app that you can get on your phone it's called meeting guide Um, And you can download that app. It's like a a blue circle with a chair on it. And um, you can look up all the meetings near you. Sometimes if I'm traveling out of state, um, say that I'm going to like New York, um, I'll use the meeting guide app to plan which meetings I want to go to while I'm there um, because I can filter the location and all of that stuff. So I think the app is easier than the website. But yeah, Mm -hmm. you can definitely check on the website as well.
0: Do you have to share at a meeting or can you just like sit and not talk?
2: No, you can totally sit and not talk. And some of the meetings will call on you, which gives me the most anxiety because I'm just like, (sighs) is it going to happen? You know, and so I I (laughs) don't personally like that. If you're ever in that situation though, I have a friend who left a meeting because they called on people and they thought they were going to get called on. Um, You can always say like, I'm just listening today. And then um, you just say like, I'm David, I'm an alcoholic. I'm just listening. And then they'll move on. So you don't have
0: to share effort. Okay. Love that. Ah, Well, thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. I feel like you've dropped so many nuggets on, honestly, a lot of really good information for anyone that's struggling or anyone that just wants to like be the best version of themselves. And thank you for sharing your tips and tricks and a little bit about yourself with our audience today.
1: Seriously, I'm so happy to have had David on because he is such a special person to me. I don't... I'm a tourist so I don't let a lot of people in and this motherfucker is here to stay so big baby
2: yeah thank you guys for having me on and like I'm just so proud of everything that you guys are doing and like everything that you guys are accomplishing in your life like Kaylee with your fitness and Grace with like your
0: no one knows how to congratulate me (laughs)
1: you haven't announced it to the pod yet I haven't I'm, you guys, bleeping uh, that out. I'm, I'm gonna say i'm oh, okay, gonna bleep okay. that out i know
2: that's why i was kind of filtering what i was oh, saying. Okay, okay, I was, okay, yeah 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 <laughs> i'm gonna bleep you, it out and then they're if gonna anyone gonna else had to keep about. a secret with evasiveness uh, <laughs> <laughs> no uh no but yeah just like everything that you guys are accomplishing in like the podcast and like and you guys are are such special people as well and like i couldn't imagine any stronger people in my life than you guys and um just to let the the audience knows, Kaylee and Grace don't get invited to my friend's birthday dinner. They get invited to the family one for a reason. So, it is I honestly
0: the truest honor. So, um,
2: thank you. Thank you. I'm
0: sorry you. to the rest of your friends that thought they were cool. You guys are all right.
2: <laughs> my family just you. my family knows you guys like they you guys are like sisters at this point.
0: They were so, in our book club. I mean, yeah. it, it was a thing.
2: Yeah,
1: <laughs> she was it in again. it.
2: Eventually.
1: are
0: you i think there will i think there will be a time in the upcoming future for us to revisit it
1: I yeah for um, sure. and then side note i am going to list
0: all the resources in the show
1: notes because that is our biggest challenge is listing but i've got it guys so haley go actually
0: go. wrote it down you guys she was taking notes throughout this episode we've made it a personal goal for ourselves to do this for you we've heard the feedback We're getting better. So thank you, Kaylee, for taking it on. (laughs)
1: Yeah, And thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Dave, for being here. And we
0: will see y'all Wednesday. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye, -bye. Bye -bye. y'all.
1: Hope you enjoyed this episode and please, if you have not already like subscribe, rate and review,
0: you can also watch the full episode on YouTube at figuring it out underscore G K your support means the absolute world to us. And we look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday.